Hi everyone, I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com, and I want to welcome you to the Be A Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com, where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode, as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Work Your Story Wednesday, I'll walk you through specific nitty-gritty storytelling steps that you need to take in order to get noticed by the media, get invited to appear in the media, and my secrets to getting invited back. We'll also chat about the three P's, how to prepare, package, and position yourself before you even email or pick up the phone to pitch the media. Tune in every Wednesday for tips about how to pitch producers and editors so they email or call you back ASAP. Welcome everyone. Our topic today is the experience product phenomenon. How to 10 times, 10x as you said, Marisa, 10x your sales and your clients results. And our guest today is Marisa Murgatroyd. She's the founder of Live Your Message, where she turns entrepreneurs into online superheroes. And she's a superhero herself at 411 and a quarter. I love how you have to put that in there, right? Who measures quarters? She's called the shortest woman in marketing, and that does not stop her from having huge ideas. She's the go-to brand builder for industry luminaries and heavyweights such as Justin Livingston, Callan Rush, Danny Eaney, Sage Levine. Is it Sage Levine or Levine? Levine. Levine, Alexis Neely, and Susan Pierce Thompson. Those are names that I know well. One of the things we're going to be talking about today is a very new kind of way to create trainings and products. So you can go and get a free video and training series and also a workbook, or we might call it a playbook, at experienceproducts.com forward slash Susan. And we're going to talk more about this and how you can create your own product in such a way that is going to have people wanting to share it with other people and make it go viral. And it's brand new. And I have invited Marisa here because I didn't even know what this was. And she was telling me that she's created a whole new category of experience. So what do you mean by that when you're creating a whole new category of experience for people? Yeah, that's a really good question, Susan. And thanks so much for hosting me. And I'm super excited to share about it. So first of all, let me set the context. Basically, right now, there's a revolution that's happening online that really affects you and me and our ability to earn money online. So there's, as of today, more than a billion websites online, and every year there's more than 300 million more websites coming online. If you look at the top Ivy League universities, they've released their entire course curriculums online at no charge. Google and YouTube are these massive libraries of free information, basically free information products. And so many entrepreneurs are out there creating training based on information. And what they don't realize is that their value of their information is rapidly diminishing to almost nothing because everyone, your customers have at their fingertips, just hundreds of thousands of hours. I mean, millions of hours of YouTube trainings and Google articles all the time. And what not a lot of people talk about in this industry is that information-based products 
the studies actually show that only about 3% of people ever finish those kinds of products and get results from them. And that's just kind of astonishing and shocking. So what I've seen in the industry of online training is that for the first time since this industry was created last year, that industry has been in decline and seen negative growth, downward growth. And the reason why is because so many people are getting left behind by trainings and products that are based on information and the market doesn't value this anymore. It's based on like an old school, you know, 19th century way of teaching and education that doesn't fit our 21st century audiences. So people aren't completing these products. They're not getting results from these products. They're not continuing to reinvest in the people that they buy these products from, much less spread the word about these products. So what I realized in this context of what's going on now historically is that info products pretty much are a dying category of product. They're going to get less and less valuable. People are going to pay less and less attention to them. You know, entrepreneurs are going to have to market harder and harder for fewer sales at lower price points. And creating information products in today's age is kind of like trying to open a video store in the age of Netflix. It just isn't relevant anymore. And I think it's been taking a long time for the industry to catch up with trends that are happening in the world of entertainment and trends that are happening in the world of reality TV, where they've really, those industries have really been able to captivate people's attention and hold their attention. Just two months ago, Pokemon Go was released by Nintendo. In a single month, the very first month this app was released into the world, it made $200 million in sales. And you've got like stampedes of people in New York City and Los Angeles and Rome and all over the world who are just playing this game in the streets and like running through the streets to catch these little virtual creatures. And if you can even imagine that level of enthusiasm and excitement about your products and your information around topics that are actually life-changing and world-changing, can you imagine having people like running to participate in making changes in their lives that actually mean something? And I think that it's possible to take the whole principles of what's going on in these other industries and apply them to the world of information, knowledge, expertise and training that actually does, you know, real value and good in the world. Well, I think that's a super fascinating concept. And I remember I just heard on the radio or, you know, read that millennials don't want to ever pay for information that they're so used to getting it free, they came up in a little different era than we did. So information should be free and they don't value it to pay for it. But how do you then, like, so you're taking the principles from like gaming and video games and these principles of being interactive and live, like actually getting people away from their computers and their iPhones and interacting with the world. So how does that apply to actual an actual product or an actual training? Like what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. And it's not just the principles of gaming. It's actually the principles of the brain's reward center. So we have an ancient system in our brains that basically releases happy chemicals, serotonin and dopamine that causes us to experience joy and happiness and triumph when we win, when we're set up to achieve our expectations and move towards them and experience wins, we're actually flooded with positive emotions, which is why video games are so effective because every few seconds you're winning something, right? Right. And when you think about products, and it's not just products, this works for services, this works for coaching, this works for consulting, this works for any class of offer where you're relying or needing people to take action in their own lives, especially regular repeat action in order to get a result. 
So one of the core concepts, and there are 10 core concepts of experienced products that I teach in the, the video training and the workbook that Susan mentioned at experienceproducts.com slash Susan. And one of the principles is the principle of constant wins. So how can you create a game that people can actually win in your product, in your service, in your coaching? And that means winning from day zero a lot of times, which means starting to achieve a win in the marketing of your product, that actually people have an experience where they get a result or they make a choice or they do something that maybe has eluded them before in the past. And then as soon as you know they sign up to get whatever product or, or service, they immediately are set up for the very next win. So for example, what often happens in the realm of info products is you sign up for an info product and then sometimes it's a course that starts a week or two weeks later, or you get bombarded by like three or four or five emails in your inbox with different instructions and receipts and things to do. And what happens for most people is they're like, I don't have time for this right now. I'm going to come back later. And even if they read one of these things and they go to a membership site and then they log on and there's all this stuff everywhere and they don't know what to do. And for most people, what that creates is what I call a negative experience escalation, where they have a series of experiences with your product that actually, instead of getting them into action and getting them on track for their first win, are creating barriers and obstacles for their success. So what that does is, in addition to having a reward center in our brain, we also have a punishment center. And when we're not winning and not moving towards the goals and outcomes we set for ourselves, the brain actually blocks the flow of these happy chemicals. And we start to feel frustrated and overwhelmed and a whole series of negative emotions. And for many people, we were told to value something called thud factor when we create these products, that the more information, the louder the thud it makes when it lands on your desk or wherever it happens to be. And what I've realized is that the thud factor, and I used to make products with thud factor where I'd slave away for like months at a time doing dozens and dozens of videos because I wanted to give every little piece of information because I thought, and this model is based on being the guru and having all the answers. So it makes people spend a lot more time creating products that are a lot less doable for people. But what I've realized is that the theft factor is really the sound of your customers' hopes and dreams falling oh, to the floor. Oh, that's so there. sad. Yeah. That's so super sad, that thought factor. So you're saying they're so overwhelmed with information. Like you, as the guru and as the, the teacher, you want to give everything. And that's like dumping your whole mind into this, trying to dump your whole mind and everything that you know into someone else's. And it's just so overwhelming. It can't be done. And then people feel discouraged and then they give up. So yeah, that, absolutely. It's like so, trying, and it's also for the product creator, it slows them down and has them trying to create this masterpiece, trying to create sure. war and peace in an age where someone just wants the Cliff Notes version. And I don't know about you, but I love to read and I haven't had a chance to finish a full book for like two years, <laughs> you know? So I, I would love, you know, since, since it is experiential and I think it would be really helpful for people to be able to see something, what does it look like, like to be able to have something land in your inbox and have an immediate win? Like, what does that look like even sure. from the marketing perspective? Because we're looking at this from two different perspectives, one, the person who's creating the products and the other, the person who's consuming them. So let's look first yeah. at, at it from the point of view of the person marketing it. Well, what does it look like if you landed into my inbox and I was then rewarded? 
started and had a series of wins and that released the dopamine and the happiness in my brain. Sure. Well, let me give you two different examples. First, um, an example from a more traditional product that's delivered virtually. And then I'm going to give you an example of a product that's delivered live in person because this works for a lot of different industries. So for example, with the Experience Product Masterclass that we're about to release to the market, what happens as soon as someone says, yes, I'm in, I want to do that, they hit sign up now, register for this class, and right away they're redirected to a confirmation page. They're not even told to go to their inbox yet. In the confirmation page, they have a welcome video that's kind of fun and surprising because it reinforces many of the other principles of experienced products like having clearly defined mission and creating a picture of someone's future self and some of the other things that really helps motivate people and helps them understand exactly what they're there to do. And then as soon as that welcome message is over and people are told what to expect because they really need to have that big picture context of what they're doing, we go right into the first training, right then and there on the confirmation page. And so they achieve a win, which is setting their revenue goals for how much they want to earn from that particular product. And there's a link right below the video to sign up on a calendar of their experience coach to develop their own experience product schedule and, you know, the custom personalized schedule and launch plan. So right away, you know, they've already chosen their revenue goals and they've scheduled their call with their coach and they haven't had to go to their inbox. They haven't had to go to a membership site to do it. And that's just the very first experience that they have is they're getting into action. And I'm removing a lot of the information that oftentimes people spend an entire first like module in a training just to set context that they probably already got what they needed in the, the marketing, which is why they said yes. So that's an example of how I'm doing that differently. And throughout the course, instead of loading people up with these hour-long, two-hour-long trainings that happen once a week, which is the old-school way, I'm breaking them down into much smaller trainings because studies actually show that 50 minutes is about the longest amount of time that an adult can keep their attention. So if you're doing trainings that are an hour, hour and a half, two hours, you're losing your audience. So the vast majority of our trainings are super short, like maybe 10 minutes. Some of them might be five minutes, some are 20, and no training will ever be longer than 50 minutes. And I'm doing more trainings, but shorter ones. So every training is only oriented around like a single result, like a single action for them to take. And there's a lot more that's embedded in that that I'm doing to make this really exciting and really experiential for people. But those are just a handful of the things that I'm doing. Okay, so first you're getting them right into action on the very first page and not having to like read lots of information to begin. So they're already thinking, oh my God, I can do this. Like I'm doing yes. it. Not only can I do it, but I am doing it. Like I'm doing it already. Yeah. So yes. that's great. And then the other point is that, you know, it is sometimes really overwhelming an hour or, or whatever. I was just doing a telesummit with someone. She said they had pulled their people and they did 20 minute calls only for the telesummit. Whereas usually there's yeah. an hour and this is going to be an hour. Maybe we should make it shorter. <laughs> but let's try to go. Let's go for 50 minutes because I've been kind of doing an hour, but like, okay, we don't want to lose you in the last 10 minutes. And then the other thing is that so you're breaking things down super short so people can have it's like micro lessons so they're learning one little thing and they're learning it thoroughly but they're learning it quickly in those like 10 minutes and beyond learning it's the difference between having your learning cap on where you're passively receiving information and going into action mode doing mode implementation mode mm. so for most people the learning is actually what stops the process of getting what they want and you see so many people in the, the training world of going to courts after courts 
course after course without ever getting the results and implementing because they mistake learning from doing. So it's actually fundamentally shifting the paradigm from information to experience, from kind of passively receiving knowledge into actively doing, implementing, getting the result, getting feedback, making progress, and getting what you want. And so I've seen, and I've actually done programs where the customer results, like we had something like an 83% engagement rate on the last program that I designed in this way, which means 83% of the people came on the line every day for five days. This was, I was actually teaching at the time for three hours a day, five days straight. We had 83% of the people come on the line and about 50% of them upgraded to the next program as well. So the rates that we're seeing for engagement and resales and all of that are just phenomenal compared to the old model when you do it this way. So what would keep those people on the call then for three hours? That was just my first experiment with this when I did this last year, when I was experimenting with it. But there's a lot of ways to um, interact with and engage people on the line. So they did, I was able to hold people for three hours, but next time around, I'm doing much, much shorter calls. But there's a lot of ways to do it where you're not just doing audio visual where they're listening, but they're actually actively participating. They're giving feedback, they're talking, they're you know doing exercises. You can hold people longer if you break up the content. So uh, they're engaging with it on a regular basis. So this is really, it's not, I mean, I know it's new, but it sounds like it's old in a way because like when I used to give live workshops or whatever, they were all experiential. They were all doing because I don't, me, I don't like to get up and talk for an hour a time. I really like things to be interactive. So I would set up every workshop to be immediately interactive. So there wasn't that much talking. There were people doing things together. There were people doing things alone. There was writing. There was talking. There was movement. So is this just using these same kind of principles but in an online way to be able to communicate with people when you're not there in person with them? Well, there's 10 core principles of experience products. So for sure, it's about making things interactive, but it goes beyond making things interactive. I mean, there are ways to create multi-sensory experiences. There are ways to leverage stories. There are ways to engage people emotionally. So yes, and there's more. There's a whole nother level beyond just creating interaction with people. That's the first step, but it goes far beyond that in terms of really helping them work with their own psychology of being able to believe that they can do it as well. Because what's really interesting is that the number one reason why people don't say yes to a product or fall out and get stuck and walk away or refund is that they don't believe they can do it. Mm -hmm. And so if you, even if you set something up where it's about interaction and engagement, if they don't believe they can do it, they're still going to get stuck (laughs) and fall out. So there's deep levels of how to create that that psychology of belief and to actually step people up through smaller wins and help them gain what I call unstoppable momentum. Unstoppable momentum is one of the principles of experienced products. When you create unstoppable momentum where people feel like they've gained enough momentum that they can keep going, you actually kind of gradually work them into bigger things that they wouldn't have thought possible when they started. That's so interesting to me. What was fascinating, what you were talking about, too, is the brain's natural reward system. It's wired to win. So in your natural neurology, that the action is working with the natural neurology. Can you give an example of that without giving away your whole training program? I know we've got your training program coming up, and you can find that at Experience Products 
that's plural, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S dot com forward slash Susan. So I know that Marisa has a lot and it's all in her free video training program and workbooks. Not all of it, but a nice mm-hmm. taste of it is in there. Can when you say an example of working with the reward center, you mean just like what's an example of a win? Yeah, what would be the example of a win that is not so for, necessarily dependent on interaction, like you were saying it's different? Than yeah, well, yeah. The, the example I just gave you about when someone signs up for the Experience Product Masterclass, the very first thing they do is set their revenue goals, right? Mm-hmm. So they're already imagining the product that they're creating. They're already figuring out, okay, here's my minimum goal, my target goal, my stretch goal. This is what it can look like. And they're starting from there, reverse engineer their success. So they've already done something. Everyone can set like, okay, if this is my very first time out of the gate, I'm going to make $5,000, right? Anyone can do that. They can set some kind of goal for themselves. It's a very simple thing. It's a very simple process to go through to set a revenue goal. But that's just an example of something that anybody can do. And they're already feeling like, oh, I've done something. I've taken my first step, right? So you're on your way to creating momentum. But another example, I said I was going to give you two examples, one from the world of in-person and one from the world of live. So one of my students, Steph Ritz, She uh, was selling this retreat. She originally called it the Redwood Retreat. And I helped her rebrand that actually to write your book in paradise. And when she first launched the retreat, only one person signed up at $3,000. And what she realized is that um, most people felt the reason why they weren't saying yes to this retreat is they didn't know what their book was about. And they didn't want to go to a retreat where they didn't know what they were going to be writing about, right? Sure. Yeah, so that what she realized is that was holding them back. Like if they couldn't know what their book was going to be and then they were going to go to this like multi-day retreat to write their book and then what if they didn't come up with the right topic and that was overwhelming and intimidating to them so they weren't saying yes to her retreat. So after doing these conversations with people, she realized that was the issue. So she added one small thing to her offer, which is as soon as they sign up, she would do a private one-on-one outlining session with them to help them create the entire outline for their book. So a big part of the process was done before they even got in the room and they knew what they were going to be writing about. So the very next retreat, she went from making 3000 at the first retreat to almost 20000 at the second retreat. Now she's on track to do her third retreat and it's about to sell out. So each one, she's been making more and more money because she realized what was getting in the way of people saying yes. And that's a simple experience that she was able to add. Of course, it goes deeper than that. And sometimes it's hard to understand what's getting in the way of people saying yes. What is the core objection there? What is the core issue that they have? What's stopping them from moving forward either before they say yes or after they say yes and they're actually in the program? Yeah. So, yeah, and you were talking about that too. Like the big, one of the biggest barriers is that um, people don't think that they can do it. And so one of your principles is about showing people how they can do it and make that mindset shift. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the principles is related to normalizing challenges too. So um, a lot of times what happens is our marketing is all targeted at making things sound super easy and quick. And then people get in and they realize it's not super easy and quick. But you've just set it up to be super easy and quick in the marketing to sell them, which might give you short-term rewards. And then they get in and it's like, well, this is actually a lot harder than I thought. What's wrong with me? So one of the the principles is about normalizing challenges. So instead of saying, you know, everything is easy and quick, you actually say, well, these are the stumbling blocks that people have. It's completely normal. It's completely natural. And when you have these stumbling blocks, here's what you do. Mm, I like that. 
It's sounding very intriguing. And how is this connecting with brain science, like these kinds of things? What happens in the neurology or whatever that keeps people up chemically connected to you? Well, it's not chemically connected to us necessarily. I mean, obviously through a lot of the emotional, engaging people emotionally, engaging multisensory and things like that, you're creating a much more vivid experience for them. Mm -hmm. So that is going to have a much higher level of engagement when by storytelling and some of the other strategies to use will keep them more connected to you. But the, the neurology part comes around from the idea of when people feel like they're making this constant progress, when they feel like they're winning along the way, that's what's releasing the positive flood of emotions. And then some of the other engagement tools of being able to engage more of them, not just like their brain or their logic, because people don't make choices to change their life and take action by logic alone. Yeah. I mean, most of the time they make it by emotion, right? I mean, most of the time yeah. it isn't by logic. It, yeah. is, it is by emotion. But yeah. So many of these products are training people's brains, right? Yeah. <laughs> and information in and of itself does not engage people in this more, more holistic fashion. You know, so I was curious about what you had said in the beginning or going back to what you were saying about like Pokemon and taking some of those experiences or taking some lessons from Pokemon. Like what kinds of things are you taking from that and how successful that's been to create that viral experience or the experience that people want to share it? Because that's really the ultimate success is when people mm -hmm. really want to share this, right? I mean, they do it and yeah. then they share it. Well, I mean, the psychology of winning is a really important one that we're taking yeah. from the world of games, which is um, the one that we've been talking about, of creating this positive experience escalation. Like when it comes to video games between each level, usually complexity is increased by about 25%, right? Mm -hmm. So from one level to the next, how do you challenge people to grow but not overwhelm them so they don't think they can do it? Striking that right balance for people, for example, is really important, which is what keeps people hooked where they're winning and it's getting harder, but they still feel like they can win, right? Yeah. So they're growing, they're experiencing that growth as they play the game. So that's one big piece of psychology. I mean, one thing that, that Pokemon Go does as well is it leverages the power of community because you're not out there alone playing the game, but you know that there are all these other people playing the game too. And a lot of times you're bumping into them playing the game as well. So it's not necessarily, whereas many video games in the past have been done in isolation, Pokemon is actually mapping a virtual reality on top of the real world, which is actually encouraging people to meet each other more. And there's so many different ways to build community into online programs as well and to do something similar in that way. By the way, eight out of the 10 principles of experienced products don't rely on any kind of technology at all. So they're more principles about engagement and about the, the science of how humans work and how they do their best work and become successful and change their lives. And video games happen to do it in this real technological format, but you don't necessarily have to create an app or a video game in order to make this stuff work. It's a matter of really dialing in the core strategy and design of the experience that you're creating, making it relevant to you and understanding how to create a path to the outcome that you're promising in your product or your service or your coaching package. Mm -hmm. So this is brand new, by the way, and it, it's not even out yet, but it will be by the time that you hear this. And so to get more of Marisa's 
great information, you can go to experienceproducts.com forward slash Susan. So there you'll get a free video training series and also a workbook to go along with that. So you'll start to understand what this is. And then if that intrigues you, and this is something that you want to do, then Marisa will invite you into her course where you'll actually get to see how this is done. That has You can hear that she's done it in beta, so it's been working super well before they've actually launched this. And then you're going to learn how to do this on your own, no matter what kind of product or service that you have. So tell us about the kinds of industries and businesses that do these experienced products work in, because you had mentioned it also works for services. It's not just products, it's everything. So Yeah, yeah. well, I've actually, it's brand new, but I've actually been working on these concepts for about five years. Mm. And as a brand strategist, I've worked with dozens of different industries, and I've helped them craft experiences into their business, into their services, into their products that have already increased the value and the engagement on their work and also help to reduce the need for marketing because people are a lot more likely to spread the word when they're getting better results. What's new is the idea of this fundamentally different kind of product called an experienced product. So I've been playing with this for years now and finally kind of codified it based on the experiments that we've been doing in our own business and what I've been doing with lots of my customers. But I've had it work for people in in educational therapy, like I said, in publishing and in business training and in Reiki, like you name it. Mm. It's you're able to work as long as you need to people to take action, regular action. And even when it comes to like accountants and lawyers and things like that, a lot of times, you know, they can't get what they need from their customers because they're just like doing the thud factor of, okay, I need you to go read this 50 page document and get back to me. Right. Right. So I think, and it's becoming harder and harder for people to have the, the brain space to get those kinds of tasks done. I know uh, we have a web design business and uh, it's traditionally worth waiting for our customers to get us everything that we need. And you know, doing a much better job of breaking it down for people and showing them the entire bird's eye view of the process is really easing that moving forward. So, I mean, I've applied it to my agency, you know, my branding agency and the web design clients that we do as well. So when you start to understand how can you engage people in the process to help them get the result they say that they want and to make it easier for them, and also a lot of times make the process easier for you, because I think what a lot of experts and product creators who love what they teach so much don't realize is that, that less is more. And it's a really important lesson to learn that when you try to give people everything, a lot of times it just muddles what it is that they really need to be doing. And the basic information, the the minimum amount of information they need to get to the result. And I think as our world gets busier, as information starts to explode, as people are just more and more distracted and multitasking more and more, it's important to get down to that most fundamental level of what is it that you're doing for people and how can you get them there in the fewest steps possible and how can you make it as easy for them as possible to get the result, to realize that they're getting a result each step of the way and to create a game that they can win. I like what you said about it's the minimum amount of information to get the result. Obviously, you know, as a media trainer, that's what I love in terms of language. It's the saying the minimum amount in order to get the result, which is a soundbite, you know, getting your messages out there clearly and quickly. And this is applying it to actually a whole functionality of way of getting a result. So I really love that because I think that to really think about what's not necessary is hard. You know, the old joke I forgot if it was Proust who wrote this, but I would have written you a shorter letter had I had the time. Yes, yeah, totally. And this is the same sort of thing, that this takes a lot of thought. 
and really understanding how little you can give people, which is generous. That's the generous thing, which is kind of mm-hmm. flipping. It's the generous thing to give them as little as possible to get the result that they want. So I love that idea. And by the way, you can go to BeAMediaDarling.com and we're going to have all of the links for you there. More links than what we're talking about. And Marisa and I will talk about a few more things that you, you'll be able to get on that page with the transcript of this at BeAMediaDarling.com. We're going to talk about you being able to access her videos and workbooks so you can get started on this right away and learn how you can create a course with the minimum amount of information to get the results for your people, your tribe, whatever tribe they're in. So it sounds like it really isn't industry specific or a genre specific or anything that it can work for any type of business and any type of topic. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I've helped people who have services or people who have coaching and consulting as well, because a lot of them also need their customers to do things. And they're creating tasks that are impossible for their customers to do. Or they're, if they're possible, they end up hemming and hawing and dragging their feet and taking a lot longer than they need to and missing deadlines. And it is a practice to simplify. But I think ultimately, it's actually easier to create this kind of course because there's a lot less for you to create. There's just more thought that goes into the process up front. And then the actual marketing and the delivery becomes a lot simpler. So it's a matter of doing the thought up front to make the marketing and the delivery more simple. And I think what most people do is they jump in and they create something really fast and then they spend a lot of the time in the marketing and the delivery later on. So it's like where you choose to spend your time and focus. So if you do the thought up front, then the delivery and the marketing and the creation of it is much easier. Yes, Absolutely. And I'd love to hear another example. Like, why don't we talk about the different examples of people that you've helped, too, so people get a sense of of what what actually happens. Like, I love that example about the woman who had the writing retreat, and you changed it from Redwood Writing or whatever to write your book in paradise and then discovered what was holding people back. I think that was really fascinating. I'd love to hear. I think that since so many people are coaches, I'd love to hear an example from the coaching industry, too, because I think it's really hard for coaches to distinguish themselves from each other and to to create a course yeah. that doesn't sound like everybody else that get the life of your dreams, right? But that doesn't appeal to anyone. Yeah. So I'm working with um, someone who's coaching specifically people with learning disabilities and they've been doing it one by one for 20 years, right? Wow. And because it was so challenging and time consuming, his profit margin was just 10%, right? So is at a 10% profit margin coaching people one-on-one, both kids and adults with somewhat severe learning disabilities for the last 20 years. And he wanted to do a group program, but was really convinced that each student was essentially so unique because they did brain testing and actually identified out of like the 29 different brain functions where each person is and which ones are compromised and are underdeveloped and which ones are not. And he, um, had played with the idea of a group offering for years and years and after five years had basically given up on it because he also didn't want to compromise at all like the results and the experience that people were getting because they're super committed and super awesome and this is his name is Matthew Turton and the company's called Breakthroughs and Learning and I sat down with him and I just kept asking questions and asking questions and we were able to figure out how to create different groups based on different learning abilities and a timeline by the way to help someone develop an underdeveloped area of the brain is about two years before they can really see the clear, tangible results. So as you can imagine, keeping engagement over a two-year process where sometimes you don't see results can be incredibly challenging. 
But how do you build almost this, this journey with clear milestones and the sense and the feeling of progress for people who are going to take two years to just get up to like an average capacity in a particular area of their brain? So I helped him sketch out this two-year program, and he's got two groups now around different focal areas. And basically, it's been a huge success. So there are a lot of people who couldn't previously afford working with him one-on-one who've now been able to afford his groups. And now his profit margin has gone from 10% to 40% in a single year because the groups are so much more profitable than the one-on-one training was. And he's still been able to provide this incredible experience for people. So he's got students who are spending $100 a week for two years to go through this program with him. And because they've been able to increase their profits by 40%, he was able to give his entire staff of coaches a 25% raise. And this was in a brick and mortar industry, you know, with um, high overhead that he'd been doing the same business model for 20 years. And we were able to figure out how to create a brand new experience in that industry that hadn't really been done before. And it's working super well. And he's very, very excited and we're just, you know, integrating these 10 principles in to really make these students feel like they are gaining momentum in a field that could feel like they're not, that they're stuck for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty common problem with any kind of coach or therapist or dance teacher or whatever it is, because it's someone who has been used to having a one-on-one experience and how do you translate that into a group experience without losing the quality and consistency right the quality and the feel of you giving that sort of one-on-one kind of attention and it sounds like this kind of um, experience products gives that same feeling without having to be there you 100% of the time one-on-one with people. Well, it's a similar feeling, but slightly a different flavor of that feeling. I actually believe that doing experience products, that you can have more powerful experiences one-to-many than you could one-to-one because you're actually leveraging the power of community and some of the other experiences that are incredibly powerful for human beings. I mean, we're tribe-based animals. It's like you have all of a sudden 500 workout buddies making sure you're going to get fit. You're going to have a higher Mm -hmm. chance of success Mm -hmm. than one-on-one in that context. So... I actually believe that using experienced products, in many cases, you're able to have a more powerful one-to-many experience than you could one-to-one. And like in Matthew's case, with people with learning disabilities, he was able to make this now available to people who they were just having to send away, who were being left behind by the school system, had no other place to go, couldn't afford his work. And they were doing it at just a 10% profit margin, making it as affordable as possible. And still they couldn't afford the work. And so now there was a new place for people to go and benefit and have the advantage of community and realizing that they're not alone and everything that community can bring when you do it right. I think that's super important because I think that some communities, you know, to make a community work and to really have people uplifting each other. I mean, one of my friends is in a grief community for people who are divorced and have lost. She lost her fiance. And she said the support is absolutely amazing in there Mm. that because people are experiencing it together, but they really have pulled together and are encouraging each other and that she can see all the other people who've had a very similar experience, even if they're not feeling the exact same thing. And I know that to be true, too, when I media train 
joined a group of stock analysts via Skype. We're somewhere in the same room and somewhere in other parts of the world and how fast they could learn from each other. You know, I didn't have to say the same thing to each person because they'd already incorporated it by the time it was their chance to be in the spotlight and work with me directly, right? Because they were all watching the media training experience. And so they picked mm-hmm. it up super quick, right? Yeah, and not to mention there are different kinds of learners. So someone is not the kind of person that likes to be put on the spot and be the first person to raise their hand. And even if they're working with you one-on-one, I'm sure as a coach or a consultant, you might have had the kind of person that needs to think about it first, you yes. know, uh-huh. is the slow burn. And now for that kind of person, you know, they're getting an opportunity to see somebody else go through it. And then that's adding fuel to their learning and as well. So it's really allowing for, you know, different kinds of people to experience in different kinds of ways as well. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. Like I'm a slow processor. And I remember getting trained on presentation training and my partner was there with me. And she told me to do something and I couldn't immediately like put it into action. And he's like looking at me like, what is your friggin problem? Like she just told you to do this, you've got to revise on the spot. But I needed more time to process it before I could actually put it into action, right? You know, so you're right, there are different, these different kinds of learnings. So that's fascinating. So I'm going to ask you a question, you do not have to answer it, because I know that this is going to be in your upcoming video and training series. So if you want to keep it a secret, you can, but I was wondering if we could go through what are the 10 principles, but if that's all in your video, I don't want to spoil it for people who are all in the video. And the thing is, just knowing the principles isn't enough, you've got to actually understand the, the application of the principles the examples of the principles. So what I don't want to do is like, oh, here are the principles. I got it. I'm going to try to do this on my own because it's a yeah. real um, different thing to like understand the core principles and actually see them in practice, understand how to leverage them. Like for Steph, for example, in her write your book in paradise retreat, knowing exactly which experience to create is the biggest challenge, right? Like you don't necessarily yes. know. And I'm always concerned that people have just enough information to make them dangerous and not enough information to get the result. Yeah, that's fair, fair enough. I totally get that. Maybe you could talk about, because I love the example of the learning disabilities too. Maybe you could share one more example. If you could share another example of a different industry to show how it works. Because I think it's really helpful to people to hear those stories. I mean, you've explained some of the really fascinating aspects of it too. And that part of it is that you do need to understand all those 10 principles in order to create your own course or your own experience or service in this way that's going to be effective. And it's very personal. And then you want to strip away everything that's non-essential and just give people exactly what they need to get the result. Yeah, absolutely. So I I was talking to one of my students, Julie Lowe, who has already a six-figure Facebook product that's embedded in actually a lot of other people's programs as well. And we crafted a new idea for a product for her called Facebook ATM or Facebook Ads to Money. And she had just stalled out for like four months on creating this product because it just felt really boring and dry and dull to her, right? And she stalled out on creating the product and she informed me that she wasn't going to do it anymore and she was going to go back to just doing one-on-one work. And so I started to ask her questions. I was like, this doesn't really make any sense considering she already has a successful six-figure product already. Why not make another one? 
And I really helped her zoom into what her core motivations were as an entrepreneur. You know, she really liked to help people. She loved that interaction. She was having no interaction on the product creation process. So it was hard for her to stay motivated. And a lot of the information she felt like obliged to include. So she was like having all of the stuff in the, the product and she had just no interest in recording the stuff because it bored her. And I was like, yeah, and that's going to bore your audience too. <laughs> just cut it all out. Let's just get rid of it, right? And so we, we identified, we like looked through the entire program. I said, cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this and start here. And let's get your people a result right away. They're not going to want that two hours of context before they get to work and doing this. They want just the right amount of information. And so what happened is like within half an hour, I helped her completely restructure this program and she felt so relieved and she felt so much better about what she was doing. And that got her excited again. And she actually moved her launch date up by three months. So she felt like she could go ahead and create it. So a lot of this is also based on what I call like rapid and agile product creation methodologies as well to get your product out to market faster. And a lot of times teach it in collaboration with your audience the first time around and get their input and their feedback. And so many people spend way too much time trying to craft everything before they begin. And they actually miss the benefit of getting the input from their customers as they're creating it. So I think one of the reasons why people want to, to do everything ahead of time is they're like, oh my gosh, I have to have all the answers. I have to know everything before I start. And it's that need to have that crystal clarity and to know. And then they end up putting a lot of effort into creating everything ahead of time. And then once they start experimenting with this process that I talk about of really marketing it and selling it before delivering it, at first they're scared. But then once they start doing it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier. And they realize they can respond to people and they can see what are the questions that come up? What, what are the things that aren't clear? What are the things that they maybe overlooked because they didn't realize it was relevant to people as well? And so I actually teach really simple ways to market and deliver the product a lot faster as well. It's not just about the idea and the strategy behind the product that simplifies things. And when you get people going and you actually get them the result faster than they thought possible, a bigger result than they thought possible, they spread the word for you. I mean, in my last event, I had one of my customers bring 27 people to my live event. I had another person bring 10 people to my live event. They're so excited by the work that we're doing together that they want to bring all their friends to my work. And what happens when you really change the dynamic is right now, I feel like so many online entrepreneurs are spending all their time marketing, like they're market, market, market. And market, 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 market. It's like a politician who spends all their time trying to get reelected and they don't have time to serve and govern anymore. So when you shift your focus from to really creating experiences that are designed to get people the result that they want, then oftentimes they do the marketing for you. It creates and also intentionally designed viral loops within the product, feedback loops within the product that encourages that cycle of talking about what you do more and more. And I find that your customers, if you, each customer brings in 1.3 people to your business, you completely eliminate the need to market it while still having at least a 20% growth you know, every single year. So my goal for experience products for people is also to end marketing, which is a really radical thought. But you can add marketing if you can if each customer refers 1.3 new customers in while still growing your business. So that's the magic ratio. Oh my so god, if, are you kidding me? To end marketing, like who? Yes. I'm like 
Yeah, uh, I'm in. I'm totally in. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, even though I, you know, this is, <laughs> I'm serious because I mean, how many people do you say that love marketing? If you could put the end of marketing and have people do it because they loved it and because they were getting the results that they wanted, I just think that's really amazing. You know? Yeah. Well, Pokemon Go went um, from zero to two million dollars in sales in a single month because people wanted to share it with each other. And I've also seen in my own products like people getting so excited by the results that they're getting that they share and they bring people to my work. You know, stuff with her retreats, the third retreat, half of the spots were sold by referral, right? Wow. And nice. she's only done, well, two of them before, and the first one had one person of it. You know? Right, <laughs> so, right. Right. So when you do this, it's like it really creates this incredible like loyalty and excitement in your customers. And they also start buying, you know, other products from you as well. So the first time that I ever did experiment with these principles, the numbers that we got were off the charts compared to the industry standard, where basically I did something like within three months, I did $137,884 in revenue from basically 108 people who took our entry-level product for like $497, and it ended up in $137,000 in sales. So that was all from started from like a webinar that 990 people opted into. So every opt-in generated $139 in each sale of that first product generated $1,277. So it's one of those things where not only are you increasing people's desire to refer new people for you and potentially ending your need to marketing if you really understand how to craft experiences where they're getting results and they're getting excited and you create the feedback loops and all of that, but you're increasing the number of people who become repeat buyers with you. Like the industry standard is 10 to 20% of people become repeat buyers. And I've had as much as like 50% of people move on to the next offer. And it just really transforms everything when you do this. And then they're also bringing new people to you as well. So it's a way to go back to what you love about your business instead of focusing all the time on marketing because you're selling stuff that's not getting people there. It's not that you mean to. Nobody intends to not get people results. It's a model that we've all been taught and we've all been using that somehow has gotten less and less and less effective. And it's like one of those things where you wake up and you're like, how did we get here? You know, you don't realize you've just been doing things the way that everybody's told you to do things and that it's not actually working. But by fundamentally shifting the model, turning it on its head, creating a brand new model like what we've done here, because experienced products really are dead. I mean, information products really are dead and experienced products are replacing them. It's like you get to buy stock in Netflix on day one. You get to all of a sudden be part of the future of where this industry is going and go back to what you love about your business, which is really delivering value and serving people and spending less time marketing and more time helping people get results by designing your products, your services, your coaching specifically for that. And for me, it's like terrifically exciting because the results that I've seen just through my preliminary tests are off the charts compared to the industry standard and the results that I've been able to get some of my clients, you know, by making some of these shifts. And when they make all of the shifts, it's like, holy smokes, what's possible for them? And they feel so much more excited about their business because they went into the business to do good for people. And then all of a sudden, you know, when they're customers don't get results or don't do the work, it really doesn't feel good. And then when you're spending all your time marketing, that doesn't feel good either. So you can start to feel good again. 
That was beautifully put. I just want to say because people do want to get back to serving and working with people and having experiences that feel really good, like you're making a mark in the world or you're helping, even if it's not in the world, that you're helping your clients and customers in some way and that you're helping them get those results. And I think that that's pretty much everybody's deepest intention. And then they get caught up in the neediness of needing to sell it, which sort of perverts the original intention, you know? And, right. and this is like getting back to how you're helping your clients or your customers get these results, which then is a blessing to you because then they sell the product for you or they refer people to you and they love you and they buy more products. And then well, we're just, I'm just going to reiterate about the ending of marketing for, <laughs> for all of you that imagine if you didn't have to do any marketing. I mean, how amazing that would be you know, that just that people are doing the marketing for you because you've helped them so much. I just think that's really wonderful. This is like the best kind of virality because it's not virality of a silly picture, even though I love, you know, some of the silly pictures too and cat pictures. <laughs> Cats, okay, you know, but it's not just virality of something that's going to give you eye candy for the moment. This is really very deeply nourishing for whatever it is that you're, you're giving people what they want. It's a kind of virality that's really going to help people get results in that. So I want to mention to go to BeAMediaDarling.com to get these links that we're going to be talking about that haven't been created yet, but will be to get to Marisa's free video training series and workbooks at ExperienceProducts.com forward slash Susan. But all of this information for you can review it and read about it too, because Marisa's been saying so many great things. I want to go and reread it as well as listen to it, right, at BeAMediaDarling.com darling.com because also you know I don't know about you I love podcasts too but sometimes I just want to zip through a transcript you know because it's super fast and so we'll have the transcript of this if you're one of those zoomers you can listen to it while you're reading it too so that would be great for you you said something also in this riff that I wanted to touch on just briefly because we're already past the 50 minute mark but I'm oh we, we will wrap up soon because now I I love that idea I'm gonna make it a goal to be 50 minutes but I can't let this one go intentionally design viral loops. Mm -hmm. Can you just speak to a moment about what those are and how they work? So one really good example of viral loops is 99designs. You know, it's where you go when you create a logo or a design contest and all these different designers submit. And then you invite all the people you know to go rate which of the logos is the best logo. And what happens is not only do you get feedback from other people on your logo, but 99designs get all this free publicity, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. What is this awesome site? These logos look great. I need a logo. Now let me go do my logo there. But how do you build in interaction? And not just within the community of people doing it, but outside of the community strategically. So more people actually get involved in the process and get to be part of the experience, but actually informs people about what your customers are doing in interesting ways. Okay, great. Well, I think that is a great place to end, unless there's something that I haven't asked you that you wanted me to ask. No, I would just say go check out the, the videos and the workbooks. There's a whole video on the whole the end of marketing idea as well at experienceproducts.com slash Susan. And you can check it out and see for yourself what this can look like as well. And the interesting thing about the videos is I did my best to make them an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see them. Thank you so much, Marisa. This is super exciting, I think, for all of us and particularly for 
for on both sides, whether you're the kind of person who wants to take a course and really get through it in such a way to get results, or you want to create a course in such a way to give your tribe real results. I think that there's so much learning on both sides, like, both, you know what I mean, experiencing your whole course, and then also actually doing it for others. I think that it's a great learning experience on both sides. So thank you so much for coming here today in the middle of your launch. And I so appreciate you and I can't wait to take your course. You're welcome. Thank you so much for hosting me. This has been super fun. And I can't wait for you all to check out the videos because I'm actually using what's called experience marketing too, which I haven't even talked about. Okay, that'll be another podcast once you've had a little rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, bye now. Hop on over to BeAMediaDarling.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. Thanks so much for listening to the Be A Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.